Yo, let's do this, Graham. Good evening and welcome to Dog Sports Live. Uh, my name is Graham Coffee. I am joined by Josh Hancher. It is Sunday night, so thank you for joining us. You may have been uh, spending the day with your family. You might have just watched Florida lose to a 15 seed in the NCAA tournament. Uh, if you're like me, since you know Florida sucks, you would have taken that 15 seed on the money line and made a few bucks. But hey, maybe not. I don't money, know. Money line 15 seed in the second round. Nice. Gotta gotta try it, you know. Um FTMF. so we are here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, FTMF indeed. Um I have been arguing with Florida fans on Twitter all day. And uh you would think that like a coach that has a petition out to be fired, like on like care.org or whatever, whoever started this petition, that like his fan base wouldn't uh defend him quite as hard as the Gators defend Dan Mullen, but I guess that's what they're saddled with, so they're doing the best they can. Um, we are here to continue our spring previews and talk about the offensive line. Um, Georgia prides itself as running back you, and that's that requires the stout offensive line, right? Um, we have typically recruited really well at that position, and we have lost – Trey Hill, who was kind of a, a Swiss Army knife and played center last year, and Ben Cleveland, who was everywhere from tackle to guard over the last few seasons. Um, what you got running for us right here, Josh? Is this the the young bucks at the end of the South Carolina game? Yeah, this is that nine-minute drive to end the, the South Carolina game. And granted, it was garbage time. And it was a worn-down uh, defensive unit for Carolina, but this is these these are the guys we're going to look at a lot this year. Erickson, I believe, is at center. Salyer's in there. Of course, he's going to be a veteran. I don't actually. I don't think Jeremy's in there, but uh, these are some of the 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 young re recruiting um, prospects. We've yeah, got. get some. No, we've got to, uh, to put some heads on heads. Yeah, totally. We've got Broderick Jones on the field at right tackle. There, it looks like um, Erickson's in there. Got, I think. Yeah, Eric, yeah, Warren Erickson, Warren McClendon. Um, so, I mean, we – the offensive line is tricky, right? Because Georgia's recruited really, really well on the O-line. Um, and, you know, we've got, by my count, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, about 12 guys that were, you know, four to five star highly heralded blue chip offensive line recruits. Um, and we're in that spot where obviously only five of those guys are going to play. And uh, yeah, Cedric Van Pran is in there. 63. I love him. Um, so, I mean, I, I think it's hard for us to speculate too much on who's going to end up where, but I think we both agree that like, Matt, Matt Luke and Todd Mockin are going to find the best five and get them on the field in certain positions. Uh, sort of look at this kind of as like a positionless type of thing. I mean, some of these guys are better suited for positions than others. But in general, I think what we've seen at Georgia under Kirby Smart is like, we're going to get the best five dudes on the field and it doesn't matter if it's their natural position or not. Yeah, so uh, we've got the off projected off. Do you, did you get to the uh, projected offensive line here? So yeah, yeah uh, I mean our 
our projection, uh, and this is kind of, you know, counting on some some young talent to step up, which we obviously hope happens. But we think that left tackle versus Clemson is probably going to be Broderick Jones. Uh, left guard, you got Jamari Salyer. Center, Warren Erickson, who played all over the line last year and played really, really well, I thought. Uh, right guard, Justin Schaefer. And then Miss right Bell. tackle. Solid. Nice. It's all right. It happens. <laughs> right tackle is going to be Warren McClendon. Uh, I, the, the, the wild card here is Amarius Mims, right? We've already heard like good things about him coming out of camp. Sawyer gave him some love this week. Um, we know he is a genetic athletic freak. So this is who I think will start against Clemson. I wouldn't be shocked if we saw Mims get snaps early. Uh, and truthfully, I think by the end of the season, we may see, Mims move into that right tackle spot and then possibly see uh, Warren McClendon scoot over to right guard for Schaefer. And I think it's possible that Cedric Van Pran Granger uh, might supplant Warren Erickson at some point. But I think that first game going up against Clemson uh, experience is probably going to be a little bit more of a premium than raw talent. I think I've got some Schaefer Erickson McClendon making decent hole here in the peach bowl this is you know you can that was good movement there and um i was just kind of going through these plays and knowing the peach bowl is kind of what we're looking at um can you see what we're doing here yeah okay so you can you know we didn't get we ran for like 60 yards in this game and it was our offensive line was getting blitzed and was you know putting a lot of pressure on jt the whole game but this was a nice nice play you can see that you know the basically just you know, sealed off the, the right side there and made just enough hole. And who's that make, coming down the line there getting on the line? Uh, right that there? is, that's, that's Warren Erickson. Erickson coming down. Was he, was he centering and, and pulling into that? Yeah. Yeah. He played center in that game because so, Trey Hill opted out or right. was hurt. I think he was hurt, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, that offensive line in that game had some good moments, I think. Uh, and we'll show some more film of it later. I mean, I think that, the guy who struggled the most was Xavier Truss, uh, 73 right there. He played left tackle. Um, there was just a lot of moments where he was he was reaching instead of moving his feet, um, and it cost us. Uh, I, I, the other thing that, you know, we, we saw a lot, though, was, like, I think you nailed it. Like, that right side of Schaefer, Erickson, McClendon, some combination of those three are going to be together uh, probably in a row on the line. And I think that's like a solid core. It's figuring out, you know, we know Jamari Sawyer is going to be in the package somewhere, whether that's a guard or tackle, I would be pretty surprised if he's not on the field. So um, can Erickson sort of hold on to that spot? Uh, or I do think it's possible just because he can play center, he can play guard that we might see him as sort of like a, Kind of the way that Cade Mays was at one point a few years ago and the way that Ben Cleveland was a lot in his career where at times he's a guard, at times he's a tackle, but he's sort of that sixth offensive lineman that we move a lot around the field. Just realized that all my stats are messed up, so you got to riff for me for a second. No, that's cool. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think I'm going to talk about this recruiting, all right? Yeah, do it. Talk about the recruiting. Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, where Georgia is 
offensive line recruiting wise, uh, you have four, four or five, five stars on the roster. Um, depending on what service you subscribe to, uh, you're looking at 24 7 sports composite i think it's five um amarius mims is the you know the five-star true freshman number one offensive lineman in the country tennessee's about to go on probation because they were throwing mcdonald's bags of money at him because he's really good people wanted him uh i he's the most high highly rated you know offensive lineman that that georgia has brought in in the kirby smart era which says a lot because we've brought in you know, the Cade mazes of the world, we have brought in uh, a lot of guys that were highly, highly regarded. Um, you also have Jamari Sawyer. He was a class of 2018 recruit. He's a five-star as well. We've been talking about how, you know, we think he's going to be on the line no matter what. He had a good season last season. And then you've got Broderick Jones and Tate Ratledge that were both uh, five-star tackles. Some services had him the number one and number two offensive tackles in the country back in 2020. And those guys just went through a true freshman year. Um, we saw a little bit of them on the field in garbage time, but we really don't know what they can do yet. Uh, it, it would be surprising, truthfully, if if one of those guys can't kind of crack the starting lineup. Um, you might go so far as to say it could be concerning uh but you know i think that we'll see something happen there and then kind of right right under them in terms of recruiting you know we had clay webb that was a a five-star center in the class of 2019 but by all accounts he is not not playing center anymore so i think it's possible that if we see him at all it'll be at guard and then you've got cedric van pran which was the number one center in the country last year and He's someone that personally I'm really excited about just like watching him play football. Um, he's got a really like great center. He stays low. He has good hands. He's got good footwork. He has great balance. Um, he looks like one of those guys that, you know, could be a big contributor. All right, I've got a little organized here and we showed those sort of those guys that you just talked about and how well we recruited offensive line. But even then you can see I've got the stats up there where, you know, Georgia is right behind Alabama, but they're not as good as Alabama in terms of average and rating and all that sort of stuff. I mean, they're 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 damn good. Don't get me wrong. Um, but you can see that he, we've got 24 recruits uh, that are ranked um, and we got a point nine nine. 0.936, you know, 247 composite average is just right at a four star. So highlighting those guys you just spoke about, I mean, clearly Kirby makes it a priority to get a stout offensive line. Every year we have these guys that can, that are big, that are athletic and make holes for this, you know, talented running back that core that we usually end up with. So, but you can still, I mean, it's, this is what you got to do. We can celebrate all you want, but Alabama is right. It's, it's better than us just about everything we do i mean just a little bit better and that's sometimes that can be the difference but georgia does have some depth we do have a lot of talent there and i'm hoping that you know with matt luke having a full off season with these guys and the todd monk and matt luke combo that we're you know that we can see some of that come to life and some fruition and getting some some uh, you know good uh, you know explosive offense which we've talked about a bunch um which yeah. is which kind of leads me into my russian metrics talk you know Last year, um, you know, we talk about offensive line yards, which is not something we've spoken about or I've even tweeted a lot about. But, 
basically it comes down to how to sort of kind of add some metrics to offensive line play. And they track it basically. You get 100% of yard, rushing yards, uh, three up to four yards. You get from four to six yards or something like that, you get another 50% of those yards. So two, three yards, you get 50, uh, half of those additional yards. And then you get subtracted 120% of your negative yards. So all that to say is just how good your offensive line blocks and judged by your running game. Okay, so it, they they basically count second-level yards towards the running back. So, you know, for example, Zamir's 75-yard uh, touchdown uh, run in the Florida game, um, which, you know, they made a hole and they, they blocked it, but they're not going to get 75 yards of that. They're going to get 150% of the first seven yards or whatever. But looking at these stats – Alabama, Texas A&M, Auburn, and Georgia all, uh, were all at the top of the SEC. Alabama is still better than Georgia offensive line yards, wise 3.3 yards per rush. And then Texas A&M, Auburn, Georgia, and Florida were, all, uh, were 3.2. But you can see our rush rate um, was highest amongst all those teams. I guess A&M had 53.5%. Georgia was 52%. And our, but our rush EPA was not great. Uh, we're behind A&M, Alabama, and right with Auburn in terms of explosiveness per play on rushing. So, um, and our uh, rush success rate was underneath both A&M and Alabama and right, you know, better than Florida, but we're, you know, our, our metrics and our offensive line didn't play great. And I know, I think we talked about that last year, but these are the stats maybe that we're going to track this year a little bit. Offensive yard lines are kind of weird, but, you know, hang with me on Twitter and we'll uh, talk through it together. Perfect. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think the the thing that the conversation that needs to be had, right, is sort of where is this offensive line as a unit? Uh, and that that stat that you just provided is good evidence of sort of, I think, what a lot of us saw on the field last year, which is that Georgia's O-line was kind of mediocre, truthfully. I mean, they were not awful, and there was times, you know, where they like against South Carolina when they were playing against a, a thin defensive front where they were able to take that game over. But yeah, a rush success I think you rate have, of, a rush success yeah. rate of 74% offensive, uh, uh, offensive line yards were 4.7. That was our best game of the year. Auburn was, you know, we played well against Auburn, but you can see, I'm, I've got the, the rushing metrics by opponent. You can see that the, the games we played well, we played good on the offensive line, the, play, the games that we didn't look great or that we didn't play or, um, you know, Alabama, the Alabama game was pretty good, but our, our rush success rate, as much as we tried to run the ball, uh, was 48%, which is a good average. And, you know, maybe that Alabama game, we've talked about it, maybe we should have rushed more in that game. We, that was worth right. it. But, yeah. but certainly the Missouri, South Carolina, and Auburn games were some of our best. No, totally. And, I mean, I think that what you just said is – really like i think the piece that gets forgotten like we get on twitter and everyone's uh sharing clips of george pickens making awesome caches catches or jt daniels making long throws or kenny mcintosh or somebody you know cutting and breaking a linebacker's ankles the reality though is that like major college football uh high level college football like the team that georgia wants to be you know a college football playoff contender or champion the the trenches are still where football games are won nine times out of ten uh and you know as we ramp up for this clemson game 
going through the off season, we'll look at it and I'm sure we'll go into depth with it. But it's like, if you go back and you watch Ohio state Clemson, uh, that game was not lost by Clemson because their secondary couldn't cover. That game was lost by Clemson because their defensive line couldn't get to Justin Fields quick enough to keep their secondary from being stuck out on a limb, having to cover guys for four or five, six, seven seconds. And in modern college football, with as good as the offenses are and as good as the wide receivers are, you can't cover guys you can't expect defensive backs to cover guys for more than a few seconds. And so a, a school like Georgia with JT Daniels coming back and all the pass catchers that are coming back, if these guys can give them time, uh, Georgia could, you know, have a, an offensive output similar to what we saw from 2020 Alabama or 2019 LSU. If they can't, then Georgia could still be a very good football team, but I don't think they can be an elite football team. Um, so, you know, I, I think that's sort of the, we we've talked a lot about the secondary being kind of the main concern for the, the, the Georgia football team this off season. But like, I, I think offensive line is right there with it because the unit wasn't that great last year. We are replacing two guys that had a lot of starts under their belt and there's a lot of young talent. And the reality is that playing against a Clemson front seven that is experienced and has a lot of, you know, really good pass rushers and, and veteran leadership in the first game of the season, we're going to find out really quick if this offensive line is improved, you know, digressed, up to snuff, good enough, okay, whatever. The other reality of this too is that if Georgia can pass block early in games, then uh, Daniels and company will hit some bombs and, and everything will open up for the running game and those safeties will move back out of the box. So like, there's a lot that hinges on whether or not these guys can get it done. Uh, and we talked about it, you know, in the trenches and given JT Daniels uh, a chance to, to run his reads. Uh, it's, you know, yeah, there's a lot of offensive line turnover, new center, new guards, and, you know, just, but it's like, we've recruited well and, you know, they yeah. got to produce, you know, it's, you know, we're not out of excuses. We're not out of time. The window, there is no window at this level of recruiting, but, you know, there's a lot of pieces in place on offense and, you know, we, this O-line has highly touted recruiter wise. It's time to produce and uh, you got a good coach and you got a good offensive coordinator. So, I mean, I expect excellence, honestly. Um, and, and I, I expect, even if it's not perfect, if, even if it's not the perfect zone, read run game i expect monken to figure out a way to scheme protections and holes for the their running backs yeah and so let's look at some plays from the peach bowl because uh that was a game where georgia was breaking in new faces on the offensive line and had old faces in new spots and there's some really tangible things that todd monken did to help those guys out so like right here you're going to have a really clever action to freeze the pass rush. Um, oh, wait, no, that is not at all what I thought it was. Uh, Tell me which one you want. Uh, clip six. There we go. Oh, there we go. Okay, yeah, so look at this little action here. It's just a little fake pitch, but that freezes the D-line just enough and gives us a little time to, you know, 
it ends up being a swing pass outright, but if those receivers had broken open, JT would have had time to throw a ball down the middle or to the sideline. Um, but, I mean, that's just a little play design that causes a big defensive lineman to have to, to stop in his tracks for a second, and that buys you a second or two. Um, and we're going to go through some plays here. We're going to show you some stuff Mocking does. We're going to show you some stuff that uh, is concerning and encouraging on some of these new faces on the O-line that we saw in the peach bowl. So um, let's just kind of keep rolling. Yeah. So here on clip nine, um, it's, it's a, it's a whiff by Morton McClendon on his block. Uh, but is this the Macintosh? Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. Um, can we go to clip nine? Yeah. Okay. So, whiff by Warren McClendon. Can we replay? Yeah. Yep. All right. So we've got a, a whiff by Warren McClendon there on a block up front. He's he's sitting there at a right tackle, and his guy sheds off, and he ends up tackling McIntosh pretty easily. But what's interesting is that you've got John Fitzpatrick being used as an H back, and he's coming downhill on this play, uh, and he's you know he's lined up, and he's basically just a glorified fullback and he puts a nice block on the second level. Right. That, but he was you know, counting on, yeah, he was counting on that, that the edge right. getting but, set. But McClendon doesn't do his job. And so the, the point we're trying to make here is that Monken has some creative ways with his tight ends and running backs to help this offensive line out, especially in pass protection. Um, and like, here's a play where JT Daniels gets good pass protection. gets good time. Everyone holds their spot, creates a nice pocket. Daniels hangs in there, and you get a completion to Darnell Washington, who is a man child to try and tackle after. Good lord! Uh, and you know you're you're set up first and ten on the opponent's twelve yard line. Um, I mean, JT doesn't need a lot of time. He's got he knows what he's where he's got to get the ball to, and it's just that that protection was all he needed. It was a huge gain. Yeah, let's check out that clip 15 um so this is going to be a good job by the line the d gets some push but everyone does a good enough job to keep the pocket intact and daniels is experienced enough to not panic and this is one of xavier trust's like good moments in this game um no, i'm screwing up here hang on on the left oh uh, no no hang on hang on stay with me set good lord there we go Okay, uh, this is one of Xavier Truss's good moments in this game. And if you watch this game, like going back and looking at it, like when he held his ground and, and blocked his man, Georgia had success. When he didn't, JT was scrambling around playing hero ball, which is his own fault. But, you know, he's fumbling, he's getting sacked, we're throwing picks and shit. Uh, but yeah, right there, you know, a nice lane for for Daniels to throw in. And like you said a minute ago, like the dude's good. He doesn't need a uh, perfect line play for us to be successful. Um, here, let's go to clip 17. And Warren Erickson right here on this play um, is going to do a very, very good job at center. Watch him. Wait, no, that's not the right play. I'm sorry. Uh, is that 17? 
I've got these labeled a little different from that, from our run down here. Oh, okay. Um, all right. Well, let's just play them and we'll do the best we can. Uh, I thought I put these in order. It's all right. All good. Um, yeah, I'm not really sure what we're looking at at this point, honestly. Uh, let's just talk nice, about... Nice bomb by Aaron, Aaron Smith here. Hang on. All right. Dead air. Come on. Let's do this. All right. Well, play me something. All right. Um, yeah, that's just okay. Yeah. So, Arian Smith is really fast and we love him and we're excited <laughs> about it. Oh, <laughs> um, right there, though, you know, there was another play. Okay. Yeah. So, here I'm going to give you my Kenny McIntosh spiel. Uh, that play, he basically, uh, kind of just like blows blows one block there and yeah. then he lets another guy run past him and then he doesn't block the other guy the original guy the second time he has a chance to and it's a fumble and it's changed the possession right um and yeah, that was a killer that was in the critical part of the game right totally and so i think the concern with uh mcintosh who is now hurt and he's, you know, he's probably out for the spring, but it's like he really needs probably some time to uh, to get healthy. And he needs to improve his pass blocking to, to stay on the field. And I, there's been some, some analysts and some folks that have uh, speculated that he might take some carries away from Cook or, or Zamir White. And it's just like, I, he can't be on the field if he can't pass block. And... If you're going tempo uh, in the pass game and we've got somebody on the field pass blocking, then all of a sudden we're, we're continuing to just run that same offense because we're in a two-minute drill or whatever. Well, if we started that drive with a pass play, that means that Kenny McIntosh wasn't on the field. Uh, they only asked him to pass block 10 times last year, and one of them you just watched right there, and there was some other plays in that same Peach Bowl uh, where, you know, him – not picking up his assignment resulted in uh, an incomplete pass or a sack or just a rush throw and a blown up play. So, I mean, you've got it. You've got that awesome Twitter thread with, with a lot of those plays that I butchered just now. So go check, go maybe retweet that tomorrow when this comes out and check it out. But to your point yeah. though, he's not a young player. I mean, he went through 2019 spring, um, didn't go through 2020 spring, but he, he's got two seasons under his belt. Plenty of, he should be, doing better you know and and like he's yeah. going to recruit somebody that's going to get in there and and execute better maybe it's kendall milton or maybe it's the veterans amir white but yeah a lot of people high on kenny mcintosh but until he can block you're not going to play right and i mean we that's one thing we know about georgia under kirby smart is that the better you block the more touches you're going to get if you're a skill player um i mean even pickens blocks like he struggled with it his times freshman year, but like last year he blocked very, very well all the time, even when he wasn't getting the ball thrown to him. You want to go into these toss plays since I've butchered some of that here? And yeah, you, yeah, you you do your thing on the uh, well, help me out here, but here we go. Um, I so we 
So we got but, some at the beginning of the year. You know, everyone wants to toss sweep. You know, it's kind of a Georgia Twitter thing, you know. And Monken was running it early and ran it a few times um, with with middling success. But if you can see some of these, this is a good run here in the in the Tennessee game, and that was a decent run there in the Auburn game. But you can see it's just straight ahead zone blocking, right? You know, it's mm -hmm. a hat on a hat and just trying to get the ball to the guy with you know explosive on the edge. Um, and, and this is a Kentucky game, but you can see that it. We only ran it a few times, but it was just straight blocking. But as you're going to see here. Uh, in, a, in a couple plays and it's kind of to the point Jameer Salier is talking about like he wants to be a Swiss army knife he wants to be able to do some some things differently so um, you'll see that um, that he's going to get a chance to move he's going to get a chance to pull and work kind of in that sniffer h-back because uh, you can see over here he's starting to move a little bit on this play but you'll see in the peach bowl a lot of, of salier moving his feet and getting down and making some holes and uh, i think that's what he's kind of talking about and in that interview he um after that first practice he says you know right guard center left guard wherever he'll he wants to play wherever coach puts him in and he just wants to take do what it ta uh, takes to to win and to block i'm pretty excited this is the wrong play this is a stupid um hang on there we go there yeah. we go yep well no, I don't know. Yeah. So what I think you're trying to illustrate, you showed those naked toss sweeps uh, earlier in the year where like, basically, like you said, it was a zone blocking scheme and the, the offensive line guards and tackles and even centers, nobody was pulling and coming around the edge uh, and sort of paving the way for the running backs. But what we saw later in the season was that some of these O linemen, particularly Sawyer on these toss sweeps, uh, he was coming around. That was a good one right there. Uh, a good example of kind of what we're talking about of, of, of guys pulling off the O line in the uh, Sam Pittman, uh, you know, James Coley, Jim Cheney kind of era. Uh, we did not see Georgia's offensive lineman being asked to do athletic things very much, you know, Kirby Smart's number one priority when he came into the program was, in his own words, recruiting mass and size on both lines of scrimmages. And so we brought in a lot of these really, really big dudes, and it was just sort of like, go be big and go win your matchup. And at times that worked great. At times, like, you know, the 2019 Auburn game where you ended the the whole game, I think, with eight three and outs consecutively, it didn't work that well. Uh, so you got to be able to get out on the edge. This is a great spot right here with Sawyer coming out around the corner, paving the way. He's going to pancake a dude. Zeus is off and running for a nice 20, 25 yard gain. And we talked about this a lot when Monken was hired. We talked about this a lot when Matt Luke was hired. Uh, both of those guys, it's in their DNA. It's in the scheme that they like to run to get these big offensive linemen pulling and coming around on the edge. And I think that, you know, what, what you were illustrating here and what you, you know, you found as you were looking at some film is that the season went on. We saw a lot more and more of that, right? Like we saw uh, Georgia starting to run some of those concepts with, with alignment pulling. And I think, I think that's, what's going to be really interesting to see kind of like how some of these position battles shape out because like, like Devin Willock, right? This three-star dude that we signed a couple years ago that was like a – I think he signed on signing day and there wasn't much fanfare around his commitment. 
but he's a massive human being and everyone's been talking about this guy might end up being something um but like who's 73 too- here's who's 73 pulling on this play i mean this that's that's xavier trust yeah xavier trust had a this is a good he just gets in the way he didn't he could have done a better job on there but just they're moving they're getting you know they're not just lining yeah. blocking the guy in front of them which is is you know that's not something that george has done and that itself might you know help a younger offensive line just put him in motion make some uh confusion on the defensive front that you know puts him in a place to excel yeah and i think that like you know getting guys out on the edge is important and the the running schemes that we had uh particularly at times like under coley in his season they were like he just didn't have very many ways to get running backs out on the edge. And like when we had outside zones, things tended to, you know, go better, but it's just like, he only felt like it had two or three plays in his playbook where, you know, we got some outside handoff action going. So I think, you know, in general, it's going to be really, really interesting to see how spring practice shakes out, how fall camp shakes out because I, I do think some of these guys on Georgia's roster were kind of recruited for their size and their athleticism was probably not as big of a consideration when they were brought into the program. And now they, they might be struggling with some of these schemes and some of the things they're going to be asked to do. So it really wouldn't shock me to see some of these guys, you know, transfer out um, over the next six months to a year, just because I think we're only going to see more and more of this sort of athletic, lots of heavy pull, line play well i i think you know we've talked about the tight ends and the wide receiver tight end show and it's like you know i'm excited to see fitzpatrick because i think he's that guy that's just going to be on the field a lot because he'll he can he can catch the ball he can block he can come down the line and and you know chip or hit a, hit a, a linebacker and stuff so i think you know it, you know like we said he might be the forgotten piece in that offensive line in that offensive unit so I'm just, you know, hang, hanging out and talking to you and, and Nathan and, and just sort of watching this. I kind of like getting juiced up to, for offensive line play, which I've never <laughs> really gotten into. Dude, offensive line play is uh, – it's it's sexy, you know. People don't, oh, yeah. like, people don't like to talk about it, but uh, the big guys are the best athletes on the field, without a doubt, in my opinion. And, uh, yeah, like I, I think if you look at Georgia – just you know modern history of georgia football when georgia has a good offensive line georgia has a really good team and that's when conference titles and you know big goals and aspirations happen uh that 2017 team i mean yeah you had sony and chubb don't get me wrong like you had two generationally strong running backs but they were running behind a bruising offensive line and uh that i think is maybe something that Kirby smart hasn't gotten as much credit for as he deserves because what Mark Rick left from an offensive line standpoint was a pretty empty cupboard. Like we started a, a transfer, uh, a grad transfer from Rhode Island at right tackle Kirby smarts first year as head coach. And that was the best option available. Um, and don't get me wrong. Tyler Catalina played really hard for Georgia and he's a, a damn good dog and all that, but uh, that should never happen at a program yeah. in the sec especially when it calls itself running back you yeah who's going to be the offensive line uh mvp you think oh man uh 
I think it'll probably be Sawyer. Yeah. I think like he's got the experience and the leadership. Um, so I think like I think it might be him just because he's gonna move around throughout the season and sort of be that Swiss Army knife like you were talking about. But I think the most talented offensive lineman on this team is is Amarius Mims already, even as a true freshman. Um, and I think it's just a matter of time until like he cracks the starting lineup. And it wouldn't shock me if he was a an Andrew Thomas who comes in and starts from game one and you know nice. Andrew Plays Thomas never yeah, he never allowed a sack, I think, in his Georgia career. Or maybe he allowed one in I think like it was, his I think last it was game. One, I think it was one or something like that. Yeah. What? So, Zen, Van Praan, I mean, is, is – and I always thought he was penciled in as the next center. But if, you know, we're talking about Erickson's going to uh, be under center to start, do you think Van Praan gets in? I think so. I mean, I hope so. I think that, like – well, I shouldn't say I hope so. I mean, like, I, you know, if Warren Erickson's the best player, then he'll play. And if Van Praan is, then, then he'll play. I think that – Warren Erickson is a really good offensive lineman, uh, both as a guard and as a center. So I think it would be better for Georgia's prospects if Van Pran can take that center position because then you have the ability to move Erickson to guard or make him sort of that sixth man that we've talked about. Um, but I, I, you know, I think truthfully, like if you want to talk talent in a position group, like there are maybe a dozen guys in this offensive line room that, you know, should reasonably start at almost any college football program. Um, so it's going to be really fascinating to see kind of how, not only like how that lineup shakes out, but uh, if Georgia's coaching staff is able to like keep those guys happy or find roles for other people. Um, but I think if you're like an O lineman for Georgia and you've got JT Daniels back there, like you got to be feeling good, right? Because for years and years, we watched, you know, a five man offensive line have to line up against eight man fronts uh, in the SEC and try and clear running lanes for Swift and those guys. And now you've got, you know, you've got a lot more air in front of you and you've got a lot more chances to get out and get to the second level and pancake some linebackers and look athletic and get people in the NFL noticing you and how skilled you are. So it's a good time to be an O-lineman at Georgia. Yeah, it'll be – the G-Day game might be pretty exciting for that because you've got, you know, too deep of really great offensive linemen going to be getting a chance to, to play in that game. So that's, you know, we're as we get closer and closer to that, that's definitely a – something to watch you know that in the in the, in the trenches is. i think we're deeper at offensive offensive line maybe not as experienced as we are in defensive line but the, the the ones and twos versus the ones and twos should be a pretty good pretty good battle it will be for sure no i agree with you um and yeah i mean the more that we go through these previews uh like the more i get excited for for g day but like I think the more and more nervous I get, I mean, like, I don't think it's unusual for any college football team to have a lot of questions going into a season, but lost in a lot of this, like Georgia finally found a quarterback hype is that there's some real, very real questions that need to be answered, uh, particularly in the secondary and on the offensive line. And like, that's probably going to determine, you know, whether this is another 10 and two or a, or a really special year. But, and, you know, one of the things, you know, Jake Fromm had a sort of, plateaued or you know at 2018 and 2019 was a disappointing year and he sort of kind of surprised everybody when he left but I always got the impression that he was really great at the line 
with with you know pass protection and checking out of bad plays and that's mm-hmm. one thing that you know obviously jt got thrown in there in the middle of the year and not having a spring and new to the program i'm sure there was probably little to to no chance for him to really know exactly what's in the playbook and in the protection plan so a, a full spring and full preseason hopefully knock on wood that's what we get the normal year you know i'd like to see and maybe we'll see some of that in g-day if if they do see some audibles that he gets out of bad plays and gets us into the right plays and certainly in those protections because i'm not sure that we had that going on last year at the quarterback position because it's you know a quarterback you know a lot of times sacks and bad plays are a quarterback stat not necessarily an offensive line stat um you just yeah and, and he's obviously he's got a quarterback brain, so uh, I expect him to to you know be able to execute that part of the game plan as well. No, one hundred percent, I agree with you there. You're definitely right, and um, I think you know a full spring practice and a full off season is going to be good for just like so many reasons for this. It's a Georgia ride of passage. You know, March Madness is just getting ready for the G Day game. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Um, How is your yeah, bracket? Besides my bracket is my gambling has been really good. Like, uh, (laughs) but I found myself, uh, like gambling on teams that I picked against in my bracket. So like, I think next year I'm just going to treat my bracket. Like there's actual money involved and I'm like picking games from a, a point spread standpoint, maybe, uh, like I picked Illinois to win the national title and they obviously got shredded by like, you know, four dudes that i don't know like work at a steel mill and like a i don't know like the loyal chicago just like those dudes look so far from nba basketball players and they just like went out there and like played the most fundamentally sound like brilliant that's what basketball that's what college basketball should be and i don't i mean yeah i mean but it's you know virginia is having a bad run but they won the national championship in the last tournament and uh you know you just you know i like to see the program you know in I just, you know, I'm, I just wish Georgia could do something like that. Just culminate with a couple classes and some smart players. It's, you know, that, that play the game, right. And fundamentally sound. And yeah, you can make a run. I just, you know, Jim Beheim does it every daggone year, you know I mean? He's true. I mean, he just gets dudes that come there and play ball and, and gets, you know, and he's got a final four, he's got a championship, you know, he's got multiple final fours. He's got sweet 16s is, is, all day long so i i don't understand that why what he has that. is like a consistent fighting chance which i think any georgia basketball fan would like <laughs> give a lot to experience but i mean i think more than anything just like watching loyola chicago and i was you know tweeting about this a little bit um i actually added our athletic director so i'm probably blocked by him now but uh i just watching like a real basketball team with a real game plan play it just made it so like it was so strikingly different than watching tom green like hey let's just fuck around and like one of you guys at some point in the shot clock like try to break your defender down and see if you can drive and uh hopefully there won't be a triple team waiting for you at the basket when you get there all right great good talk guys get out there um so yeah i mean like seeing an actual coach with a a system was pretty cool because like tom green has his whole fast break you know, run and gun philosophy, but he doesn't have a system. He has a philosophy and those are two different things. So yeah, it was just depressing to think we're going to, I mean, he's not getting fired. We know he's not getting fired. So we get to like watch another season of Tom Green basketball and 
obviously yeah, miss out at this on point, I wouldn't be on, Yeah, at this point, I wouldn't even be on board with letting him go. I think you just give Josh Brooks a, a full year of, of, you know, hopefully a full year of outside the pandemic to to assess stuff. You know, the, the buyout goes down by $2 million bucks next year. So um, uh, I know a lot of guys want Jonas Hayes, but I, you know, whoever it is, um, I just, I, hopefully it's just not another retread <laughs> that's looking for a job. Yeah. That's my well, only and, and Jonas Hayes, uh, I mean, like he played for Georgia and I know he's, you know, been up there at Xavier and that's a good program, but like Jonas Hayes has never been a head coach. All right. Like I would like for us to hire a head coach with a system and a proven track record of putting together a team that makes sense for whatever offense they're going to run, whether that is like, we're going to do a pick and pop thing. We're going to do a bunch of flash cuts. We're going to have guys that can drive the ball and kick it to spot up shooters, whatever it looks like, just have a plan. Like I, I I'm fine with whatever the plan is, but just have one. And that's the most infuriating thing about the Tom green experience is that there often does not appear to be any plan at all. So I'm sorry. That's my rant. No one wants to hear about basketball. I know. Yeah. Well, uh, if they stuck around this point, they, uh, they definitely want to hear us talk. So even if it is about basketball, but anyway, true. on that note, I, uh, we're down to what running backs. Is that all we got to do next? Uh, running backs. And uh, we got to do the front seven of the defense. Front seven. Okay. All right. Well, so good deal. We got two more spring previews, which should kind of time us out perfectly for G day. So uh, we're cruising along. Thank you guys for bearing with us through a little bit of uh, confusion. I think I screwed up the outline a little bit. So yeah, uh, we do our few, best. Few... Yeah. But Hey, you know, we had a good time. We hope you did too. Um, and I'm going to tweet these graphics out and, and Grant's going to retweet that. That's if you know, his Kenny McIntosh breakdown and the running back blocking scheme. So we'll follow up with some stuff. We appreciate all you guys following us on Twitter engaging yeah. retweeting commenting and stuff that's kind of what we're doing this for and this is you know maybe a jumping off point for some more discussion so we're trying to figure all this out and how to we, we we're really looking to engage with folks so we appreciate you watching and liking and retweeting the show so thanks again yeah no 100 yeah thank you for saying that and as far as twitter uh tell folks where they can find you on twitter josh uh i am at dog underscore stats and Graham is dog at dog out West. And if anybody knows Brandon Adams, I believe he actually has dog stats. So, you know, I've been trying to get that from it. So I don't have to say underscore all the time. So if you know, Brandon really, Adams, I didn't know this. Yeah. His, his actual, his personal one is, is I believe it is Brandon Adams is dog stats. So um, huh. I can't, I can't get him to return my DM. So maybe I'll throw him an FTMF hat his way, but um, anyway, for now I am dog underscore stats graham is at dog out west we are dog sports live and thanks for watching take us out uh yeah naturally all of those dogs that josh laid out for you are spelled with a w and an a in between the d and the g um <laughs> <laughs> yeah so no thanks for it's joining on the us. screen too so we got that going for us that's true this has been dog sports live uh i am graham coffee that is josh hancher uh we so much appreciate each and every one of you that watch this or listen to it in your car on, and, and we are just so you know, uh, you can find us on YouTube at the dog sports live YouTube channel. And you can also find us, uh, where you get your podcasts on Apple and Spotify also under dog sports live. 
and uh you know dm us like leave comments on the article on the dog sports website when we post it but there's stuff you guys want to see uh people you want us to have on things you want us to talk about stuff you want to tell us we suck at whatever like we just we would love to engage with you in any way shape or form so we hope you guys have an awesome week and we will probably see you around this time next sunday all right go dogs go dogs